thank you for making it possible. Uh, we run these knowledge series. Uh, uh, we've been doing it for the last few months now, and it goes out to our network and our audience, and you're free to share it with your network and audience. The whole idea is is knowledge. Uh, we're going to share some knowledge about, you know, what your what problem you're solving in the market uh, and how is it beneficial. That's basically imparting knowledge, right? So obviously, uh, we're not doing anything around marketing or sales as such, but, you know, just educating our audience and helping them better understand and make better choices in the market, given what we just spoke before. There's so much of confusion in the market of, you know, what products and services exist and what is really, a, you know, uh, what's a real good fit for an organization. So so let's start off with, uh, Gaurav, maybe you can quickly introduce yourself for uh, uh, who you are, how you started the company, uh, and then Mike, same way, how you joined Gaurav and, you know, your background, uh, and, and then, you know, we jump into questions. It'll be pretty casual, the whole chat, you know. Uh, yeah, so we just go with the flow, uh, as, as, as I normally say. Terrific. I know I can get started. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it has been quite a journey. Uh, I'm Gaurav. I'm uh, one of the co-founders of Process Bolt and the chief technology officer here, primarily responsible for all product aspects. Um, you know, it's uh, it's been a while. It's uh, almost five years now. But, uh, you know, my previous life, I was also part of an organization around cybersecurity. And uh, there, what me and uh, other team members were doing were we were building a software for vulnerability correlation, right? It's an enterprise-grade software. We're selling it to large enterprises. And every time you would make a, you know, a sale or engage in a partnership, we would need to go through a due diligence process, right? Because it, this, this software was touching every aspect of a company's security infrastructure. So that is where, you know, we started to realize how painful that process is, you know, filling out Excel sheets, doing interviews on phones, et cetera, et cetera. So that provided the genesis. So when that, you know, when that company sold and the exit happened, um, we decided, me and my co-founder, we both decided that, hey, you know, this problem needs to be more solved at least, uh, or at least made more streamlined. So it's not that hard on vendors. It's not that hard on enterprises. And the people are actually getting some value from it. It's not just a checkbox item. It actually helps an organization uh, be more secure and safe uh, when it comes to their supply chain. So that's the genesis of Process Bolt when we started. Wonderful, wonderful. How about you, Mike? Uh, a little bit about yourself. Absolutely, sure. I So I have uh, a history of... I kind of have gone in and co-invested in and run a number of software and analytics businesses and then ultimately sold three to be specific in business business process out survey uh, outsourcing legal services and some others. So I have experience in software and analytics, but really experience kind of growing businesses and then and, and building the infrastructure around those businesses. And I was actually volunteering. Um, in a number of what you call accelerators or incubators. It's where large corporations uh, provide funds um, and expertise to help startups grow. They really provide kind of almost free consulting services to startups to try to you know, promote growth within the economy. And I was working, volunteering in an accelerator for the Target stores. 
the you know large uh, discount department retailer. And uh, one of the companies that was there, one of the startups was that was there, was Garb and Dan's business, Process Bolt. The two of them had, had started it, had built the software, trying to get it up off the ground. So I mentored them, kind of helped them on the finance side, um, helped them kind of with the go-to-market strategy. Um, and ultimately, after that mentorship period ended, uh, Garv and Dan said, you know, maybe you should come in and focus on the business side and Dan and I will continue to focus on product development and product enhancement. And uh, so the marriage was made. And so far, uh, no one's hurt each other or <laughs> too much, gotten into each other's way too much. And the business has grown pretty dramatically over the last few years. And um, it's, it's been a good combination. Beautiful. And how many years, may I ask, are you being with the business? I've been in the business about three years now. Got it. Got it. Fantastic. Excellent. So, so can can either one of you describe what's the actual problem you're solving for the customer base, right? Or can you define the problem before solving? Can we define what the problem is really in the market? Why don't I take take the defining the problem piece, and then Gaurav, you can take the solving the problem piece. Sure. And and because it's really what interested me most about Process Bolt is when I, I really looked at, uh, you can't pick up the paper or open your notebook without reading about increases in ransomware and hackers. And a significant number of those, 60 to 70% under some calculations of those breaches are occurring not because there are security issues within your own enterprise, it's that there are security issues among your vendors or your supply chain. And if there are weaknesses in your vendor network or your supply chain, and they're tied into your internal systems, it can cause a pathway for hackers to come in and enter your, uh, enter your critical systems. So what the problem really is, is how do we take the, your supply chain or your vendor network and make them more secure so they're not creating disproportionately high risk for an enterprise in doing business with them. That pretty much sums it up, I think. So, so Mike, just to query a bit more, where did this problem stem from? How, how old is this problem in, in your view? Well, the, the problem is as old as there have been connected networks, to be honest. Uh, certain things have accelerated it. Um, increase in access to the cloud certainly has accelerated it. Um, an explosion of endpoints caused by the pandemic has increased it. I mean, any time you have uh, a, a component that is attached to the cloud or is in some way in the cloud, it creates an area of risk because access to the cloud is, is pretty easy. So it has to be secured um, from attack. Well, after that, I think one of the key things that is happening on a, at an increasing level uh, year after year, I think, you know, but it started about, I'm going to say, started proliferating about 10 years ago, is an increasingly connected supply chain, right? So, you know, if you go back 20, 30 years, um, you know, if you are doing business with a vendor, their systems are isolated, your systems are isolated, it's more transactional business. 
but what happened, uh, what started happening was uh, an increasingly inorganic supply chain where I am giving access to my network, my systems uh, to a vendor. And similarly, I have access to a vendor systems to get a better visibility into, let's say, you know, planning activities around production and things of that nature, right? So when that interconnection started happening, that is where, you know, this problem became more apparent and came to the forefront, right? So if I'm giving access to my systems um, to a vendor, uh, that creates an entry point. Right um, now, I have to ensure that the vendor systems are as secure, if not more, than mine, um, and that creates an additional attack vector. Right, so now an attacker doesn't necessarily need to attack needs to attack my organization. They can gain an entry, or at least gain access to my data through a vendor. Um, so that you know is the underlying factor um, that has been you know, dictating the increase of this uh, this activity of around vendor risk management um, because of an in interconnected supply chain. And it's not going to go away, right? I mean, it's, it's something that will happen more and more uh, because supply chains are becoming more and more integrated uh, between an enterprise and their So my theory is that I think this proliferated so significantly when the target attack happened in the US, right, where the air conditioner, air conditioning service provider's laptop was hacked and the hackers used that to gain access. And I think from memory, 140 million credit card data was stolen through that process, which was quite significant. Uh, uh, I think that is that is the problem, but I think this is where organizations are, smaller organizations are still gearing up to the fact that they are part of that larger ecosystem. They don't realize that, right? And I'm seeing a lot of enforcement from larger companies to smaller providers saying, if you want to work with us, you have to be compliant, certified, and demonstrate maturity of your cybersecurity. So if that's the case, from a solution standpoint, how intrusive or what is your view on how much can a can we do from a risk assessment perspective to ascertain the risk? Because my understanding is not every organization is going to let us into their internal network and do a complete, you know, thorough, um, you know, rip apart kind of, you know, mm -hmm. show us all your books kind of assessment. So how does, what are the solutions here as, as a, as a technical uh, leader in the space, well, how do you see the solution uh, and how can businesses gain assurance that by way of this solution or these steps what we take, I can ascertain a risk and make a judgment or a, make a decision of whether this vendor is going to be high risk, low risk or medium risk or no risk? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think the way I would put it is that, you know, there first of all, why is it difficult? Right. It's difficult um, because, like you mentioned, you can't really go into every vendor and just rip apart or ask them intrusive questions or peer behind the curtain. Right. It's hard. It's also a problem of size asymmetry. Right. If I uh, am a large corporation, I'm working with a small vendor. Sure, I have a lot of leverage to peer behind the curtain. But if it's if it's you know similar sized organization I'm working with, then that leverage just quickly disappears. 
problems, right? So that that defines the problem. So what can we do to solve that? There are several things. One, having a vendor risk assessment process that is a that is not just a point in time, but an ongoing vendor risk assessment process helps, right? So you can ask questions, um, even if you know the vendor doesn't answer all of them. Uh, getting as much information as possible from them is step one. Looking at their cybersecurity uh, program, looking at their cybersecurity practices and policies is also a key ingredient there, right? So instead of you know you asking a thousand questions, what you can do is you can you can ask uh, you know important questions, but you can also look at their uh, policies and programs and procedures to get an idea of how robust they are. Then the third piece that comes in in that environment of asymmetry is that you can look at an organization's internet-facing attack surface or their security posture, right? So it's very easy to say yes to every question in a questionnaire in a vendor risk assessment, but it's very hard to follow it up if you're not actually following those practices. And that becomes visible in an organization's uh, internet-facing posture, right? So. Uh, that should be an important uh, aspect of your uh, VRM program where you're looking at the vendors on a continuous basis on some key matrices on how they look on the internet. Do they have any open databases? Do they all, are their certificates uh, up to date? Uh, do they encrypt their data? What kind of technology uh, spectrum is visible from the internet? You know, is that technology vulnerable? Uh, are there zero days that are untached for that version uh, of the tech that they're following. So there are several things you can do, but to get that combined picture, it's not a single solution. You need all these uh, different efforts to get that combined picture of a vendor's posture and how safe and secure they are. Anything you would like to add, Mike? Well, no, I just, I, I think I would highlight, as Audrey indicated, we're just talking about the area of third-party risk or vendor risk. I mean, if you're an enterprise and you're looking at a crowded marketplace of cyber products out there, it's important first to assess your enterprise's uh, weaknesses um, at, at, at the onset. And that's where you need to hire someone like you, Ajay, and Sickman to come in and really first take a survey of your own enterprise, see what needs to be done there, and then uh, obviously as part of that, address the area of third-party risk. But Although we're focused on third-party risk, I don't want anyone to think that that's the only thing you need to be concerned about. Yeah. It's just what we at Process Bolt are focused on. We're laser-focused on that one aspect of risk. Eric, and that's the, that's the topic of discussion, third-party risk cases. And now I'm hearing another terminology, uh, which most of my customers are not even aware called fourth-party risk. So can you shed some light uh, I'm, I'm wondering how many more numbers they will come out with, you know. <laughs> but I get the concept. The concept is quite obvious, right? Because a third party may use another party to do work, right? So so how far is this going to stretch, right? You know, because everything is connected in that, in that sense, right? So can you throw some light on this? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the extensibility of this problem is, or to answer how far it can go, it can go as far as your supply chain goes, right? I mean, if your if your vendors are using other uh, companies for critical infrastructure needs or software component needs or anything that can create a risk vector, 
um, you know, that is definitely within the purview of being able to introduce risk to your organization. Uh, now, where does it go far enough? Um, it's anybody's guess at this point, right? I mean, fourth party is definitely a term we are hearing too. Um, but I think the, uh, that term's uh, context is important, right? So if, if I am um, talking about um, vendors that produce, you know, non-connected physical products, uh, and, you know, that's what my vendor uses. Sure, um, you know, there's some risk to it, but not that much. But if you're using um, software components, which are coming from fourth parties, um, that is definitely something that should fall within the purview of your risk assessment. Um, so I think taking that context into account is extremely important. Um, and that context at this point um, is probably good enough. Fourth party or fifth party probably is good enough, right, as a limiting factor. Uh, but as as we become more and more interconnected, again, especially when it comes to infrastructure, especially when it comes to like Mike said, cloud and uh, endpoints, um, IoD, uh, that's where some of these uh, you know end party uh, risk assessments are becoming are going to become more and more important. I think certainly a, a threshold now we're hearing more and more about fourth party risk, as you correctly indicate. Certainly, as a threshold, as part of your assessment of your vendor network. You should be asking your vendors what they in turn are doing to secure their supply chain um, and get attestations at least um, an understanding of what they're doing to secure um, their supply chain. Yep. Got it. Got it. Yeah. So 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 obviously there is there is this fourth party now coming into play. Now there is this this misconception in the industry, right? So when we look at, and I'm talk, I'm going to talk more gentle about the term risk, right? Now, in the physical world, like, you know, when my kids were much younger and they had to cross the road, I would ask them, look on the right, look on the left, you know, make sure there is no oncoming vehicles and then you cross the road. So it's very easy to ascertain risk in a real world scenario, right? Now, what I've seen, which many organizations are struggling with, is the term cyber risk assessment, whether it's third party or their own risk or fourth party risk, right? So can you define, you know, what what is what can they expect out of a risk assessment? And what are the what are the factors which which you use to come to arrive at a risk? And and how and this is this this question is mainly from boards because boards are really struggling to understand risk, right? You know, when you say there's going to be a flood, this is a flood zone, our office is in a flood zone, hence we need to have a disaster recovery plan. Bang, they get it, right? Because there've been floods in the past in that area, right? right? Or that warehouse is, is subject to bushfires because we are in a high bushfire zone. They've been bushfires easy. Okay, so we need fire control. Cyber is, is something which is, which the risk of cyber is so frustrating for boards to understand. So either one of you, if you can take this question or both of you can interalternate on the question, on the, our response, I would appreciate some insight there, please. Yeah. Do you want to go? Should I go ahead? Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, that's a valid question, right? What defines risk? And I think to, to define what, or to answer that question, we need to define the context. So I call it the relationship context because that's what we're talking about in terms of vendors. 
So that context definition is very important. It's not exactly, you know, a zero or one. Every vendor has that exact same contact, context or not. So for every risk assessment that you do, you need that context definition. What does that vendor provide? How big are they? How mature are they? What are their organization's, you know, cybersecurity practices? Um, what is their, and it just doesn't stand just cybersecurity, right? What is their uh, disaster recovery plan? What is their business continuity plan? What is their incident management? Uh, do they have robust policies around their cyber posture? So defining that context is an extremely important first step in every risk assessment. Because, because without that context, you are throwing, as I like to call it, the kitchen sink at the vendor, right? You're throwing every single inquiry on, you know, to them, and uh, it might or might not be applicable to them. So step one should always be define um, that context so that I can define what risk that vendor can pose to my organization. Once you have that context defined, or and you know that you can do that context definition in whatever vendor risk assessment um, framework you follow, right? But once you have that context defined, only then you can see, um, only then you can assess the risk correctly off that vendor. Without that context, you know, it's not really an accurate picture. The only thing I would add, I'm sorry, the only thing I would add is, I also think you need to look at the consequences, right, to determine what risk is. I, I tend to look at risk in, in monetary and brand terms, right? Like, is there a risk to my brand? Is there a risk to the health of my business? Is there a risk to my customers? I mean, I think as part of any analysis, you need to say, okay, if we don't take these actions, what will be the consequences of these actions? And it's different for every industry. You know, you're going to, if you're in the healthcare industry, for example, you have patient health information you have to worry about, as well as the financial consequences of both paying any ransomware and remediation of any sort of breach. Manufacturing may be different. Financial services may be a little different. But when you're talking about a board, Ajay, and when I talk to boards about going down this path, it, it's always important to say, what are the consequences if we don't mm -hmm. solve for this risk? And it's, uh, it's, it's only increasing. I mean, here in the United States now, it used to be you have to worry about the brand damage. You have to worry about the financial consequences of remediating the breach. You have to worry about paying the ransomware, uh, your customers' records. Now in the United States, which is notoriously litigious in nature, we're seeing the class action lawyers, on top of everything, sue the companies that have not done an adequate job of securing against this risk because... There's so much publicity over this now that it's considered a known risk. And the lawyers are saying, the trial lawyers are saying, if you're not doing something, not only are you going to have to pay all these damages because of the breach, but we're going to sue you on top of it. So I look at a, a critical component of evaluating risk and determining risk is what are the consequences of not acting? Clearly. Yeah, I... I, I narrate the story. So uh, we had two clients, both were in the printing industry. Both were applying for a bid with a large bank. Now, the bid was to print marketing documents, right? You know, it was just advertising copies and stuff. 
So the RFP from the bank said, you know, you have to be PCI compliant and ISO certified. And one printing company only did marketing stuff, right? They didn't do anything else. The other one obviously did statements and phone up, uh, sending emails to credit card default bills. So they had some access to. So the, this printing company on the left side or my left, they kind of got it. Okay, yeah, though this is an RFP for a marketing tender, marketing print tender. This is we anyway have to do it at some point in time, and they were obviously considering. But this other vendor had no clue why they had to do PCI and ISO certification, right? And I think, uh, you know, the industry has kind of loosely enforced this in a, in a in a nasty manner, like you know, one size fits all kind of scenario, which is so frustrating for small businesses to really. Uh, you know, appreciate and understand why they need to do it. Yeah, it doesn't mean they don't need any security, right? Because they've got systems and, you know, their marketing material could be hacked by somebody and some other image could be put in it and it could print out 60 million copies or, or whatever else could happen, right? You know, those are the other challenges uh, a non-sensitive data business can have. Or they could get stuck with a ransomware attack and not be able to service the client. So I think... That's a very important point. You know, understanding risk is not a plain, oh, there'll be a flood and all houses in that area will be at risk. So hence the premiums go high from an insurance standpoint. So I think cyber risk is something, I think the 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 industry as a whole, countries as a whole, the world as a whole need to understand it better, right? You know, in terms of distinguishing. And the issue is why they say one size fits all is the banks are saying or the bigger entities are saying, well, I assess everybody on the same scale, and then at least I'll know I'll have a. But I'm like, no, but that's that's just going to mess up your supply chain, and people are going to say, sorry, we can't work with you. So we are seeing some larger organizations coming up with a, a pre-qualification question, saying, right. can you answer these ten things before I send you a really nasty, you know, fifty-page security assessment questionnaire? Yeah. So I, I can see the industry is transforming and adapting to this. And I, uh, you know, in terms of, you know, coming to like a basis or an understanding, I think, I think, I think we all three of us sounds like we agree that there is no actual defined process, right? Uh, there's no defined framework saying this is, this is one size fits all or, 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 or how do you define size? And what I like in this space with PCI counselors, they have defined merchants as in their SQs as SQ A, B, C, C, B, D. So they've got different types of self-assessment questionnaires based on the type and size of merchant and how many transactions they provide. So I think from a vendor risk assessment too, there is an opportunity to create uh, not a one-size-fits-all kind of a framework, but a framework which says, yeah, if you're a vendor touching sensitive data, then you fall in this category. If you're a vendor touching sensitive data, but you only service 20,000 and less data, then your risk is different, right? Because PCI Council did that quite smartly. They said if you're over 6 million transactions per annum, then you have to get a qualified security assessor do a full independent audit. I think there is a scope for the third-party risk assessment industry, including companies like yourself, I think, to come up with a framework which 
makes it easy for larger companies to start defining, saying, hey, you know, depending up, we have already given you the different scales of risk, and then you can put your different vendors in this and then assess them and make their life easy and make their vendors life easy. So that's what I had in terms of questions, you know, any concluding remarks or, you know, what you see, you know, a bit of prediction in the industry in terms of where do you see all this going in the next, you know, few years? A couple of things I can predict. And again, prediction is a business that uh, is <laughs> by default unpredictable. But a <laughs> couple of things you can see already is that. But I'll pause you there. You know, you and I are for, you know, Indian background. You know, they've got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of godly men who predict everything about the future. Yeah, exactly. So maybe I should be better at predictions. But uh, um, so uh, I think one of the things that will happen is, uh, again, like, like we all agreed, um, this is not something that is going away, right? This is, uh, this is going to be a permanent fixture of uh, the business environment for the foreseeable future. Uh, number two is, I think, uh, what is going to gain more and more important is an ongoing approach to vendor risk management. Uh, so, so far, and going back to what you said, Ajay, what we saw after the target breach is companies uh, implementing this process, but implementing it as a checklist item, right? It's a one-time thing. I'm, I have assessed my vendor last year. They're good. So we continue to do business with them. That approach is going out the window very quickly. It's an ongoing process that needs to be on a cadence and not just uh, for vendor risk assessments, but vendor continuous monitoring as well. Right? That three-month-old or six-month-old assessment is really not that beneficial if you have a vendor expose a database last week, right? I mean, the, those timelines don't match up. So that continuous monitoring aspect is going to become important. Uh, the other thing that is going to become important is right now, continuous monitoring and vendor risk assessment through the way of questionnaires are two disjointed efforts. So, you know, you're doing that vendor risk assessment, asking the vendor 100 questions, and you're continuously monitoring them. Those two never come together, right? What should and what will happen uh, is that, you know, when you have correlation between those two. So I've asked this vendor a question. Um, three months later, I discovered that this question has been invalidated by this new threat that the vendor has online or on the internet then there should be an alerting. So, you know, the, the assessor gets real-time alerts in the sense that, yes, the vendor said this, and three months ago they were great with this, but all of a sudden there's this new threat. They just opened up a database or they just have an expired certificate or, you know, they, they have a new asset on the internet that's a shadow asset, and that invalidates these three questions that we asked them three months ago. That kind of insight is going to become more and more prevalent and should become more and more prevalent so that your assessments are always accurate and they're not point in time. Go ahead, Mike. You were... uh, well, no, I, I, I would just echo this. I mean, you know, Garo and I uh, were just asked to speak on this exact same talk like at the Secure 360 conference fairly recently. And it's this, this concept of attack surface management which over the last 12 to 24 months, you've been reading more and more about this concept of attack surface management, which really is an integration of a deep assessment with a continuous monitoring of all the internet-facing attack surfaces of your own enterprise and those of your vendors. Historically, people have been doing one or the other, 
Uh, occasionally, they've been doing both, but they haven't been integrated. And now it's becoming increasingly, uh, we're becoming increasingly aware that those two processes need to be integrated. One needs to inform the other. Um, and so you'll continue to hear this concept of attack service management, and it's really where businesses should direct their focus in the area of third and, and fourth party and extended risk. Um, so watch for more and more use of that phrase. And the thing about it too is the software that's doing continuous monitoring, you have to be a little aware of because in, in most cases, they're deploying purchased or batched data, which may be of marginal utility to the uh, company that's using it. So you got to ask the right questions. You need to hire the right experts. Uh, as I mentioned to start, we're experts in one specific area. Uh, but having a, a partner like Stickman, who is an expert in many areas of cybersecurity, can really help you develop a comprehensive plan for your enterprise. And it's really important to start there, in my, my experience. Well, wonderful, wonderful. Gentlemen, thank you so much for making time. Uh, I think it's uh, late afternoon there, and it's our beginning of our business day. But uh, lovely to meet you, Mike, finally. I have chatted with Gaurav before, but... Uh, but yeah, thank you again, and uh, uh, we hope our audience enjoy this uh, debate and discussion and knowledge share, and uh, uh, we we will we will soon be live with this. Yeah, so thank you, thank you so much. Well, thank you. We appreciate appreciate the opportunity, and always good to hear from you and learn from you as well. Absolutely. Thanks a lot, Ajay. Really appreciate your time. <laughs> no problem. All the best, guys. Take care. Bye. 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 Bye.